Hey, what's up, guys? This is Brian Vosper. This is another episode of the UFC State of the Union podcast. Um, just want to apologize from the from the start. Last one I dropped of these was, I believe, the UFC 280 predictions. Um, this was going in, or UFC 281 predictions. This was going into that Adesanya Alex Pereira card. Apologize, just with the the Thanksgiving everything, just kind of dropped the ball, just kind of procrastinating getting these out. Um, but yeah, um, I'm going to kind of recap a few cards here. Um, we got a big one. It's the last pay-per-view of the year, UFC 282. It's going to be Uncle Haya versus Blockowitz tonight. Um, but yeah, I'm just going to go through a few of the past cards that some of the things we saw, fights that, you know, just looked awesome, what we, where we can go from there. You know, granted, you know, we're looking at about, um, November 12th up to now so about a month so things have changed but you know i'll use some of the knowledge we have now to kind of like look at what what's going on so usc's 281 we had adesanya versus Pereira. you know just starting from the top Pereira gets it done in the fifth round this is the you know i want to say this is the third championship fight this year where we've had a fifth round upset so we had jiri versus glover jiri gets the submission fifth round when realistically Glover is on his way to possibly finishing him, but then he shot that takedown, just kind of screwed himself over, and then it just kind of snowballed from there into a Jerry win. So fifth round, Jerry win. You had Leon Edwards. You know, Usman's cruising to a decision win, gets caught. That's a fifth round win. Now, and then you have Alex Pereira coming in with the KO on Adesanya, another fifth round finish so this is like the year of um i don't know the year of the underdog um just they're they're getting close to losing fifth round they just make that that crazy comeback um you know giving my opinions on the stoppage for adesanya Pereira, i would have to go back and look but off memory i i thought it was a good stoppage you had three minutes remaining and if you watch the full sequence um ref gives him a good amount of chances to to get out of there um and you know if you look at right where the secret went stops he doesn't stop it until he is looking straight at the floor so he's like looking straight at the floor and if you look at Pereira in that moment he has that left hook cocked ready to go again so if he didn't stop it you have literally an Adesanya looking at the floor he'd already hit the ground once he's just panic survival mode i think if they didn't stop it you would have had some serious damage that could have affected adesanya's career long term could have you know they're talking that right now which makes sense you know go go the rematch signs are kind of pointing to that but you know had you let it go and just let's just let Pereira absolutely flatline him because that's literally what was going to happen with three minutes remaining adesanya and you know there were moments where he kind of, you know, took the took the loss professionally. Um, but also there are some moments where he was like, <laughs> where he actually says, he was like, you know, I was actually just waiting for him to gas and I was going to begin wrestling him again. It's like, dude, no, you weren't. And then also there's also a point where he even says, um, my foot went out, but it's like literally right when the left hook <laughs> It's like, no, dude, your foot didn't go out. You got hit with a freaking equalizer is what happened. Um, and so, I mean, I think Pereira fought a really good fight. Um, if you go and look at some of the clips, like 
defensively he was able to do exactly what you need to do to actually beat Adesanya you know if you kind of look at all of Adesanya's past fights um past title Francis one of his main weapons just the leg kicks he was able to just leg kick people to oblivion until he was able to use that to kind of like figure out his distance you know circle around not really the most exciting fights um with the exception of the Costa one for if we're talking like more recent ones um, but yeah, he was able to use those leg kicks to just wrap up, just rack up points. But if you look at how Pereira was defending in that fight, there are points where he checks his leg kicks by rate. Like he literally blocks him with his knee. You have to kind of like go watch in the fifth round, actually, where there's the sequence where he actually checks one of Adesanya's kicks, how he did it. He literally raised his freaking knee up and blocked Adesanya's kick and that actually is the one where Adesanya then like falls backwards because like you know you're kicking with some a lot of force uh, and you hit someone's knee it's like frick man that probably de- definitely hurts and so that's what caused him to f- fly backwards um he admit he admitted that he said it like hit his nerve and stuff that, that definitely would cause some problems but going just looking at the things Pereira did even though you know Adesanya was winning it was 3-1 going into the fifth round there were so many things that Pereira did that like Adesanya definitely didn't wasn't expecting you know and it would take like that someone with like extremely high you know kickboxing like a Pereira to be able to know how to like equalize those leg kicks the things that had worked before for Adesanya and then all of a sudden didn't. And then in the fifth round, he just went for broke. He, it was just like total villains. Like, I, I don't know if villain story is the right way to say it, but um, if you kind of like compare, um, there was one part where it's Gasolim Izzy, um, where, you know, he's like the, the kind of one of the most famous, like one of those famous MMA clips where he says, I'm prepared to die going in the fifth round. And in this fight, Pereira Adesanya fifth round, it pans to Pereira and he's like, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> like, so it's like, oh man, it's like, kind of like, almost like I'm prepared to die. I'm going to kill you. It's like, oh geez. And, and then he gets it done. Cause he knew he needed to finish some crazy fight. I think all signs are pointing. We get the rematch next, but what one thing that actually really kind of popped into my head the other day this is kind of like might be kind of out of left field for people but um it's a fight that you know i think a lot would like to see and it seems like you know signs are pointing we're going to get kamzat versus colby covington in march on ufc 285 i think that is what's going to happen they're either looking at you know i think what's going on with that fight is they're looking at because with UFC London just announced, that's going to be Leon Usman 3. That's also in March. That's a week after what UFC 285 is. I think what they're doing right now is they probably have a lot. They're probably in a situation similar to what they've kind of done this year almost, where they have a lot of fights that they're probably working on right now. And they're probably just going to go ham, start announcing them. But I think what they're kind of looking at is kind of like load balancing with some of the going into 2023, you know, you don't want to like that 285 card. I think now that Nganu Stipe is not, or Jones Stipe is not happening in this card. Um, I think I mentioned this in the past episode. Signs are pointing you're going to have Nganu Jones on that 
285 card in March. That card randomly, I want to say that got announced like months ago. And it was kind of like a Vegas card, March. It's like, hmm, you know, kind of like if they're just like randomly announcing, hey, we're going to Vegas, 285, like months in advance in 2023. Like, and that's a pay-per-view. It's like, okay, clearly that's probably going to be the landing spot of something something big. It's not going to be some rando card. Um, so I think signs are pointing that's going to be the Jones and Ganu landing spot. And I think that's what's happening with Colby Comzat. Where are they going to put that? Do they want to put it as a co-main on like, you know, Leon Usman 3? Or do you want to put it on 285? But I think the kind of the main thing is they don't want to make one card like ultra stacked and the other card is just like oh only has like one or two really good fights so i think that's what's going on there um but going back to what i was going to say it does seem at the same time it's kind of weird because they haven't they've like i want to say they've like partially announced that multiple times coley comes out in the works if for some reason that doesn't happen this is this could be a really weird one you could do because you know comes there was actually some beef that happened. Kamza actually called out Pereira. Obviously, he wants the title shot. Pereira actually said he'd be willing to fight Kamza, um on, I want to say it was on the Rio card, but he said he'd, he'd do it at 205. And the reason being, I mean, if people want to give Pereira hate for this, he, w- he was straight up honest. He said, like, I cut a, I cut a lot of weight. Um, I wouldn't be able to make 185 again for January. And I think that is a smart move by Pereira. He he is massive. If you go compare him like how he looked against Izzy, the dude is a freaking giant. And you've had Whitaker say stuff, tons of people say stuff. Like the dude is huge. And so I think that's a smart move. Like, hey, I'm not going to do like another 30 plus pound weight cut in a one, two month span knowing that's going to affect me long term that could affect my health. And so he I mean he was he, he was honest with Kamza. Kamza Kamza wanted, you know, the title fight in Rio, he's willing to do it. But Pereira was like, "Hey, I I I I can't do another 185 cut that fast. I but if you really want to just fight me to fight me, let's do it at 205. I'll do that." And this kind of goes where I think you know, now that the kind of draw like it's kind of interesting. Pereira, I feel like before the whole situation happened with Jiri, where Jiri vacated because of the crazy shoulder injury, before that happened, I really think Pereira had a good shot at going double champ. Reason being, he was a double champ in glory. He was a champ at 185 and 205. Jiri has a style where he is just insanely aggressive with striking. Um, I, I, you know, anyone can get caught, but I think like that style matchup, I think would have favored Pereira, if I'm being honest. There actually are some, some fights before the UFC with Jerry where he actually has been caught pretty bad. Um, and I think if you're someone that's like pretty wild striking like Jerry, I don't know if that's going to work as well against someone that's like, uh, like a sniper like Pereira. I think he he could catch you on the way in, whether with knees or he's going to hit you with that equalizer, the left hook. So I really thought he he has a good shot at going double champ. It's going to be interesting seeing tonight who wins because Uncle Live Blockwitz, um, if I think Uncle Live is going to take it tonight, experience sides with um, 
sides with Blockowitz, but I think all around, I think I've thought for a while, Uncle Ives kind of the dark horse of that division. I think he's going to take it tonight. Um, but um, yeah, like even if you kind of like compare, um, obviously Pereira wouldn't go against Glover. They train together now. Uh, I want to say Pereira lives out in Connecticut too. So he's now, so he's there full time um, with Glover. But um, even Glover knows how dangerous Uncle Ive is because <clears throat> Glover was offered, you know, it originally was Jerry Glover was going to be the title shot. Jerry has the injury with his shoulder. Then what happens is you have the, um, they go to Glover and say, hey, we want you to fight Uncle Live. We feel like he deserves a shot. But it was on two weeks notice, the, the opponent change. And, you know, to, to Glover's credit, um, I mean, if you look at, I mean, Glover is in the end of his career. He is the top of the food chain right now, but he he's he does know he's in the end of his career. He only has probably one more shot, title shot left. If he gets like starched in a title fight, um, I mean that's probably it. So I mean, this was kind of a smart move by Glover. You know, he's like, I I don't want to take the opponent's squad because he was preparing for Jerry. Jerry and he had a lot of success with Jerry. He was on his way to winning prior to messing up um shooting the takedown and rather than just keep teeing off um but uncle live is a different beast uncle live probably just as when it comes he's not as wild of a striker but he also has the dagestan wrestling background too so it's a different style fight um and so he said no nah, i'm not gonna do that and also you know there was some some media out there trying to clickbait, say like Glover was scared. I don't think that's true. He actually asked, just give me a little more time if you want to put it on the Rio card. Oh, that gives me a little more time because it's just a total, it's a different style um, compared to Jiri. But um, the UFC didn't want to do that. And I, I see why the UFC didn't want to do that. Didn't want to just like scrap this card and put it on Rio. Be, scrap this fight and put it on Rio because... They already had, you know, the situation where they were planning on doing, you know, Stipe Jones on this. If they have another, you know, the big title fight, you know, get axed to last minute, it just it's not a good look. And so, um, but yeah, I think, um, sorry, I'm kind of all over the place right now. Um, I think now it might be a little harder just because um, depending on who wins tonight, both Blockowitz and Uncle Lev do have really good grappling so obviously that's the thing Pereira needs to work on um if he were to try to go for double champ now he would you know uncle lab would probably take advantage he would approach that with a lot more grappling and so be interesting what happens interesting to see what happens but kind of going what i was gonna say though if they keep having trouble booking that colby comms out fight Kamzat has such a big following right now. If you look at like how many Instagram followers he has compared to all the other welterweights, all the other stars, he is like in the top five right now, I want to say, of the sport currently um, for Instagram followers. Like he's higher than Masvidal, he's higher than Usman, higher than just a lot of guys. You, I mean, when you have that star power, I mean, and they have kind of the funkiness where he missed the weight, you know, for the Nate Diaz fight. Um, I mean, and he does have a win over a top guy, Burns, at, you know, at 170. He kind of has options right now. What if they did just, like, say, screw it, 
Like, and it, if Adesanya want, but this would also depend on if Adesanya wants a little more time off because I think Adesanya, he wants to rematch, but at the same time, he doesn't want to risk going 0-4 against Pereira. That just wouldn't be good. So there is a chance, you know, if Adesanya wants more time off, what if they did go like, F it, let's go <laughs> Kamsa Pereira. That could be really interesting uh, to see what happens there because Pereira is huge. So... There is the slight chance maybe maybe he can if he gets enough training. Maybe he can stop the takedowns from Kamzat. But I think if I were betting on that fight, I think Kamzat gets the sub. I think that guy's wrestling is just on another level. And he's how he's able to chain it with the submissions. But at the same time, you know, gotta be careful. If you get hit with a bomb shot by Pereira, you're you done. Like if he gets if he somehow gets into a firefight like how he did against Burns, where Burns did clip him, oh man, if he gets clipped by Pereira, night night, it's over. But that could be an interesting fight if they just said, screw it. Depending on what Adesanya does, um, they did that. That would be interesting. And, you know, I know that kind of people, people might be rolling their eyes at that. The reason why I say that goes back to how Kamza has a lot of star power right now. When you have a lot of star power like that, you got to think at the end of the day, the UFC is a business. So, I mean, that's where, like, things can happen like that if – you are a very big name. You got a lot of eyes on you, and they want to make the most money possible. They could, they could make a crazy promo for that fight. Um, looking at the rest of the card, what happened? Sorry, trying to go quick here. Whaley Zhang gets the gets the submission on Sparza. Um, I didn't think it was going to be by submission, but I mean, I was on the side. I, I want to say in my past predictions, I, I said like I don't think Sparza is going to have anything for her in that fight. Um, really, it's just. Um, it was really just the um, there was it, signs were pointing as far as it didn't want that fight to beginning to begin with. That's why she wanted the Marina Rodriguez rematch. She already had a win over Rodriguez, and she was kind of almost like ducking Whaley. And so going into that fight, I think mentally already kind of like Whaley kind of knew like she doesn't want to fight me to begin with. So she had a lot of confidence and just kind of just beat her everywhere. I think one thing that's helped Whaley too is her wrestling game has gone up a lot. She's been training with Cejudo. Um, I think that really elevated her grappling a lot too. Um, looking at that rest of that card, oh man, uh, Dustin Poirier versus Michael Chandler. Du- Poirier gets it done. You know he had to survive some 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 moments though. Um, gets the submission on Michael Chandler. I wasn't too much of a fan after that. Um, after the fight in the octagon, you know, some clips came afterwards. You know, some people were calling people. Poirier was calling people soft for how. Um, people reacted to him like you know saying this is my house i don't know i i i don't i don't know it seems like almost like poria sometimes does kind of put the um kind of the bad guy persona almost a little bit sometimes that, that's just my opinion um i didn't like that too much um this kind of in the octagon antics um, what would be the next fight, in my opinion? I think signs are pointing. Dana actually announced what's looking like the main fight um, that's going to happen is going to be Michael Chandler versus McGregor. They're going to probably do that. If they're doing that, Poirier versus Gaethje too, I think it's the fight you do. I think it's perfect timing. Uh, the last time Poirier and Gaethje fought, um, I was actually looking at this the other day. They fought, um, Poirier fought, fought Gaethje before even the, I mean, it was 
I want to say it was two years before Gaethje even beat Tony. So it was like still like, you know, Gaethje was pretty, still pretty relatively new in the UFC. You know, he had the, I want to say he was coming off the loss to, uh, I would need to double check this out. I want to say he was coming off the loss to Eddie Alvarez. But, um, but the, the thing is like his style, if you compare it up until now, yeah, he got beaten by Oliveira. Oliveira was just on a tear. But I think the style, Gaethje fights a lot different style now. He's not like as reckless, you know, brawler as he was when he first came in the UFC. And that's kind of when, you know, he first fought Poirier. He was still pretty reckless. But that was not an easy fight for Poirier by any means. And so, and you know, even in this fight with Chandler, you know, Poirier did have to overcome some adversity. You know, Chandler did land some really good shots. He had him in danger in some moments. Um, and Poirier even admitted that. And so, um, and so that I think that's the perfect moment to do Gaethje Poirier too. Um, I think you could do that in the beginning of next year. Uh, Frankie Edgar, I just don't think that was a good matchup for Chris Gutier- or for for Frankie. Chris Gutierrez is a beast. I actually had a feeling that that was not going to end well for Edgar. I I I want to say I, I put some money on that. Just don't go the distance. Um, I had a feeling just like it was not going to end well for Edgar there, just based off you know how things have been going lately. Um, Dan Hooker, Claudia Pouillet. The star of the whole freaking card. No, get out of here. That guy, if he fights again like how he fought that fight, he's going to get probably released. That was some BS. He was like freaking doing MNRE rolls left and right like I'm like a crazy person and just like not even set up. Renato Moicano, I mean, I think Brad Riddell definitely needs some changes. Um, Whatever's going on there, he just... You know, Moicano gets his back, and then Brad Riddell just kind of like, he didn't even fight the hands or anything, and Moicano got that submission. Ryan Spann, I talked about that being a make-or-break moment for Dominic Reyes. I think Dominic Reyes is done in the UFC. Um, he, got, he got taken out by a jab. I think the reason why that happened, I'm the reason why that happened is his chin. He's taken too much damage. And then this, this fight... There's only another one where he gets put out cold. So it's like one of those kind of like James Vick situations. It's like, dude, you can't keep getting KO'd like this. It's just going to keep getting easier and easier. So I think, I mean, tough look or tough run for Dominic Reyes after losing to John Jones. But he definitely got hit with the John Jones curse. Gets KO'd by Blockwitz. Gets KO'd by Jiri. Gets KO'd by Ryan Spann. I mean, I think time... I think he's got to go to Bellator or PFL. I mean, these these guys in that division that he it's just it's just not looking good, and it's not good for his health. He just gets keeps getting rocked. Aaron Blanchfield uh, takes on Molly McCann pretty easily. Round one submission. I had a feeling actually looking at that. It was a what they were doing with that fight is historically Molly McCann struggles against grapplers. If you look at her record. She usually doesn't do too well against people that are very good grapplers. So what they decide to do with that, they're like, hey, let's take a Molly McCann on a win streak that's, you know, riding high right now. Let's put her against a top prospect that's a very good grappler. Let's see what happens. Um, kind of test the improvement level. And kind of as predicted, um, 
Aaron Blanchfield was just able to dominate, get her to the ground. And I, I want to say I, I, I was giving credit to Molly McCann, though. I was like, there is still the chance, you know, she has been on fire. If she can land that crazy elbow or something, you know, there's always a chance she could do that. But that that was my prediction in that fight. As far from like for a matchmaking perspective, what they were doing there is, hey, let's take Molly McCann, on a win streak, a lot of hype right now since Patty came in. Um, let's see if she can keep it going, take out a top prospect that's a really good grappler, or if that's going to give her trouble again. And Aaron Blanchfield proved real deal. Um, Andre Petrovsky, I think he did really good, beat Wellington Terman. Um, I, I want to say he actually called up, yeah, he did. He called out Bo Nickel. That could be an interesting fight if we see that happen down the road, actually, because, you know, one thing that could be interesting with Bo, obviously, top of the food chain wrestling. But what happens if he... I think the kind of two of the things we want to see from Bo is that that could be a little bit of um the the unknowns right now. One is, you know, wrestling is like the, the rounds and the pacing is different than MMA. So how is his gas tank going to be in MMA if he's actually taking damage? If he eats a, a good amount of shots or something, how does his gas tank how is his gas tank going to react? We actually saw this kind of last night unfortunately with Pat Downey, where Pat Downey and him and Bo Nickel actually were in the the most recent Olympic trials to go try and go to Tokyo. They're both on Team USA competed there. So they're both top of the food chain. But, you know, Pat Downey got caught. And I want to say he was like a plus something ridiculous, like a minus 2,000 favor, something crazy, and he got KO'd. Um, so, I mean, we're going to see, you know, as, you know, Bo progresses, there's going to come a point where he is going to eat a shot. And let's see if um, see how he reacts. You know, even Kamza, you know, he was untouchable. Eventually goes against Burns. He does get clipped. Um, does Bo have a chin? We'll see what happens. Um, but I think that call up by Andre Puftrovsky could be interesting. You know, let's see. Um, and we also even saw, you know, um, Marco Madsen. I want to see. He was on another card that I'll cover here. Um, he was also Olympic. It was Greco-Roman wrestling, but it's not the same as MMA wrestling. So we can see what happens. Like, you know, how is his gas tank? Can eat a shot? Um, and I think Andre Petrovsky would be a good test for Bo Nickel um, down the road. Uh, Matt Frivola beat Mr. What's in the Bag. Uh, Saitar got KO'd. I want to say that was his first loss. So that was pretty crazy. Um, yeah, and just kind of flying through here. Uh, open up that card. Another fight that was cool was Carlos Ulberg getting that one KO um, over Nikolai. That, that guy's a beast. Um, I think he's kind of on the fast track. He'll get probably a ranked fight next. Going to the next next um, next one would be, you know, it was going to be the Lewis Spivak card. Um, Lewis got, you know, sick that morning, so they scrapped that card. But you had some good ones here. I'll fly through real quick. Um, biggest one was Inchukwi. You know, I think this guy is really cool. Um, beats Ian Kutalaba. I think he's one of those fighters. He's very durable, and as, I like the storyline of him um, um, and just kind of – you know, as the fight goes on, he's very durable. And so he can, so he's, and he gets better. So he was able to get the KO on Kutalaba. Some of these other fights that come out, Andre Fielhau, um, I think something really needs to kind of 
improve there. We're seeing, you know, as the fight goes on, there's a little bit of a weakness there. Um, Muslim Salikov was able to take advantage, get the KO, um, but he does slow. Andre Fialo slows down as the fight goes on. So that can be, if he doesn't get a quick KO and you're able to draw out the fight, get some you get some success there. Jack Della, Jack Della Maddalena, um, this guy's super top prospect right now. Gets the round one KO. Um, yeah, that guy's a beast. Um, I would have to look at what, trying to go through these quick. Not sure what you would do next on that one. Looking back at the prelims, some other stuff that happened. Jennifer Maya beats Morose. Um, Ricky Tercios, that was a risky one. I was like, oh man, do I add Ricky Tercios to the parlay just because of... I want to say how his first UFC fight went. Um, yeah, and then I, I want to say, um, yeah, that was kind of Natalie Silva. I need to look back at this. I could be completely wrong. I want to say, I'm going off memory. I want to say that was a crazy highlight KO by her. Looking into last week, Thompson versus Holland. Holland did not fight. I mean, respect to him, you know. <laughs> he wanted to just make this an entertaining fight. And, you know, I think this was a... This was a potential fight of the year. It was fun. It was really fun. But if we're talking, you know, um, fight IQ, Holland did not fight that <laughs> with the fight IQ. Um, or he did not. It was not an MMA fight. He just wanted to make that a striking battle, which, I mean, I really think that's what lost him the fight. If you let Wonderboy get into that flow state and you are purely striking with him, um, especially if it goes later, we're talking rounds three, four, five, Oh man, if and you're you're starting to slow down, that dude does not slow down. He's just gonna start picking you apart. And so you can't let Wonderboy get into that flow state where he's just like figures out distance, timing, he's just like messing you up. Um his striking IQ is just way too high to be doing that. And I think that's where, you know, some of the moments where Holland, you know had moments where he could have taken it to the ground and he chose not to just doing that for a little bit could have possibly helped him to at least you know slow wonder boy down get him to think about something else rather than he knows he's like oh i don't have to worry about any takedowns this guy's just gonna strike with me this is a this is a karate match and and like wonder boy i want to say i would have to look this up i want to say his karate record was like something ridiculous like 50 and oh so it's like um yeah not the best move by holland but it was a extremely fun fight i think looking back at it um holland did mess up his hand but i think what actually caused that we don't know the exact moment when it broke if he threw a strike may hit holland may that kind of weakness hand but i think one thing that actually definitely did not help it and this could have made the break worse um was Holland was throwing some hard kicks at Kevin Holland's head. And some of those were, like, when they were blocked, they were just loud. And so those shots that he threw, I think that, that Kevin had to block with his hands. If Even if it was a punch, off a punch that Kevin's hand got jacked up, definitely blocking those shots with the hand did not help the situation at all. Whether that's actually what broke it or if he broke it off a punch and then that that's happening, yeah. Those kicks were loud. And so I think that regardless, those kicks definitely could have either either were the reason it were the things that broke it or just made it from like a partial break to like a really bad break. 
Um, RDA gets it done versus Barbarina. Um, I think that was a great call out at the end, you know, calling out McGregor using kind of the the storyline there. I don't think RDA is going to get that just because, um, you know, RDA style wise, McGregor knows that RDA is probably going to grapple him and go for the submission. So, you know, a more favorable matchup for him is going to be, you know, going a Chandler. And it's also going to be a bigger money fight, Chandler versus McGregor. Uh, Matthias Nicolau, you know, I was thinking Matt Schnell was going to get this done. But if I'm being completely honest, I haven't seen Matthias. I I don't remember the last Matthias fight, but he looked freaking unreal. Takes out out Schnell. He just, Schnell had nothing for him. Um, Sergey Pavlovich uh, on the mission to just become the number one most hated he's taking out everyone's favorite fighters Derek lewis tai tuivasa this man's a machine i think his only law lo- i actually had a feeling like going into this one I texted my brother i was like yeah i don't we always text every fight card um and just like as things are going on and um and i kind of like texted right before i was like i don't know if this is like I don't know if this is going to be a favorable matchup for Tai Tuivasa. You know, he always has the the shot, chance of landing the bomb shot. But just, Sergey is just, he's only lost once. And he got caught, I think, in his UFC debut by Overeem. But other than that, he's just he's just a beast. He's a tank. And, yeah, he just went forward and was able to get it done. I, I had a feeling, like, I don't know if Tai's going to be able to, this guy just is an animal. Um, Ty is a beast too, but I just feel like that guy was still very underrated at as he was going into that at 16 and one. Now he's 17 and one, uh, probably one of the highlight reels of the card. Roman Delice, holy crap, takes the fight on short notice for Jack Hermanson and gets that calf slicer position where Jack could not get out at all and just goes to work with just ground and pound gets that KO. That was probably one of the craziest things. He had that like calf slicer secured so jack couldn't move at all and jack you know going into that fight was bragging about how his ground game roman delisa wasn't going to have anything for him and dude get a highlight reel like that show off your grappling holy crap um roman delisa i think he's definitely going to get a big fight i was thinking one fight you could do for roman next and i i will just throwing this one out there i, I really like Derek brunson but I think, you know, that could be a good fight. You know, Derek Brunson versus Roman Delice. But yeah, Roman Delice is a beast. I don't want to see Derek Brunson possibly get taken out. I want to see I really want to see Derek Brunson get the Adesanya rematch eventually. I really want to see that. And so see what you can do for Roman Delice. He's definitely getting a big fight next. But there are a lot of good ones you could do. Um Eric Anders beats Kyle Dawkins. I think what happened there, Kyle Dawkins rushed that recovery. He should not have come back. I want to say, so he got KO'd by Roman Delice, that brutal knee. And I was actually reading an article. He had like three plates put in his face he had to get facial, like reconstructive surgery and stuff. And then he returns to fighting in six months. It's like, dude, like if you go watch the fight with, with Eric Anders, like Eric Anders like knocks him down like two or three times in the first round. It's like, you can't tell me that his chin wasn't his chin and face wasn't still like freaking not at a hundred percent because he was just getting rocked left and right um i think that was just bad judgment wanting to return that fast after that bad of a ko should have taken the you know taken a few more months um six months that was just 
I mean, respect for being active, but I mean, that was not a wise move because now he probably, you know, even having another KO, man, it's not a good way to help your career long term. Uh, Phil Rowe beats Nico Price. I thought Nico was going to win that. And nope, I was wrong. Um, and then looking back at some of the other ones, Clay Guida. Man, Clay Guida, don't mess with him. He is making that title run. Um, geez, that is crazy. He's almost at 40 wins. So gets it done. Michael Johnson, the guy that Poirier does not want to rematch, gets it done also. Michael Johnson's just like, he's that guy. Like, he just like, he's just like unpredictable, man. He just like, he, he wins, he looks super good and then he'll like, something will happen. He'll lose some other fight. But I mean, Michael Johnson's always cool to watch. He's just so fast and seeing what he does. Um, I really want to see him get a, like a big name next. I think just, you know, give him that last one last hurrah because I mean, you got to remember Michael Johnson was the guy, you know, people always remember him. He's the guy that, you know, probably got the closest to beating Khabib with that one shot. And so he's, he's a guy that KO'd Poirier. So, I mean, I think next give Michael Johnson, you know, a name, like a higher name, see if he can make a, a run through the rankings, see what happens. Um, Darren Elkins versus Jonathan Pierce. Good gosh, Darren Elkins, man. I think it's time for him to hang it up. Like, that's got, every time he fights, that's got CTE written all over it. It's like, dear Lord. It's like a, just just beyond bloody. The guy's like, oh man, his style is just, he's willing to like, yeah, his nickname is The Damage, but he's willing to take a ridiculous amount of damage to try and get you to wear out. And then he makes the the Hail Mary comeback somehow. That's like his style. But it's like you can't say that style is <laughs> going to help you long term. Um, so I'm looking at some other fights. You know, Marcelo Rojo got KO'd by Francis Marshall. And then, um, yeah, unfortunate for him. I think he was kind of almost – he might be in like a make-or-break situation that going to that. But now looking at tonight's card – Man, there are a lot of good fights here, and this starts in about 30 minutes. I should have dropped this episode a long time ago, but here goes. Going from the top, Block Wiz versus Ankalaev. I already kind of talked about this. What do I think is going to happen? I think Ankalaev is going to win this. Experience is on the side of Blockowitz, but I think Ankalaev is just the dark horse of the division. I think you're going to see um, hit, probably, I'm going Ankalaev, I think by decision is what I'm going to see. Um Patty Pimlet versus Jaron Gordon. I was actually looking at Jaron Gordon's record the other day, or actually yesterday. Jared Gordon has been cracked a few times, has been KO'd three times in the UFC, has been subbed once. I think Patty gets it done here. Um, it's going to be a finish. Um, probably going to go by submission. Um, let's see here. Morono taking that. I want to say Ponsonibio. He was, oh, he was booked to fight Robbie Lawler. And Alex Morono takes this on short notice. I think Ponzinibbio is going to get this done. Um, Darren Till versus Drickus Duplessis. What do I think? Okay, this is really a make or break moment for Darren Till. I, if I'm being honest, I don't know if Darren wins this fight, man. I think this is a very tough matchup. Drickus is just, um, he's a tank. He's extremely durable. He has wrestling. He hits like a truck. Um, I don't know about this one. Um, it's most likely going to stay standing. We could see Drickus, you know, transition to wrestling. 
But I don't know. Coming off a recovery, you know, Darren hasn't fought in a minute. Back is kind of against the wall right now. I don't know. Drickus just looks really good right now. I, I don't know if Darren Till is going to get this one done. You know, people are rooting for Darren. You know, I like the hype, you know, but I, I do like how Drickus fights, man. I, I think he's really cool, really cool to watch, and he could give guys trouble. So I, I don't know. Darren just can't afford to get cracked by this dude because this dude hits hard, and Darren has has been KO'd before. Um I mean, he's been KO'd by Masvidal. He got sat down by Woodley. Um, he's had a few situations, man. I I don't know. You can't afford... He just can't afford to get hit by a bomb by Drickus because I, I think that would be the equalizer. Probably one of the fights people are most excited about, Taporia versus Mitchell. My opinion is on this one. I think Taporia is going to take this. I think he's going to find a finish. But it is a three-round fight. What I think is going to happen here is... If Tapuria can't find the finish, I think what's, you know, Tapuria and Patty Pimlet have the extreme beef on this card. I don't think Tapuria wants to go decision on this card. He wants to make a statement and tell freaking, pa- and he wants to tell Patty Pimlet, sorry, I'm going to say freaking Patty Pimlet. <laughs> sorry. He wants to send a message to Patty, like, hey, man, I am right here. Let's fight. I'm going, I'm at Featherweight again. I fought at 155 my last fight. You saw what I did to um, Jai Herbert. I'll come back up and fight you. But I don't think Ilya is going to fight this trying to... It's not going to go to decision. He's going to fight this with a lot of emotion, which is either going to help him or backfire. Um, Bryce Mitchell did extremely well against Barbosa, another guy that could, if you're not careful, is going to starch the living crap out of you. Um but also, you know, Barbosa has struggles against grapplers. Taporia doesn't really. He just has I want to say Taporia his record is like equal KOs, equal submissions. So this fight I see it going one of two ways. Either Taporia is gonna get something done, get a finish, whether he lands a bomb shot or is able to, you know, catch Bryce and something. Bryce did get subbed on the ultimate fighter by Brad Katana. Um so that's his one loss. Technically, it's not a pro loss, though, because it was on the Ultimate Fighter. So that's why they say Bryce Mitchell's undefeated. But, um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting. So I think I see either Taporia gets it or he maybe starts to slow down a little and Bryce starts turning it up. And, you know, maybe if Bryce, is able, Bryce isn't really a KO artist, but, I mean, he was clipping Barbosa. He was able to sit Barbosa down. So if Taporia goes ultra wild... And it's just like maybe maybe Bryce tests his gas tank. That's where I could see Bryce could start turning it up and maybe win this. Regardless, that's a great fight. That's I think that's one of the ones people are most excited about. Um, looking at you know the rest of the card. Oh, this one, you know, Raul Rosas Jr. making his debut tonight. Raul Rosas Jr. Um, versus Jay Perrin. This one's gonna be unreal. Um, I mean. You know, I'm. <laughs> let me rephrase that. This one's gonna be unreal. Seeing the kid's debut, but looking at Jay Perrin's record, Jay Perrin has lost his past three in the UFC. Um, he is on a three fight losing streak. If he loses this to Rosas, he's probably getting cut. And he was talking a big game at the the face offs. Um, I think Ro- Rosas just does whatever he wants here. I think Rosas by submission is probably what we're gonna see. <coughs> 
man, there's another, there's a few other good ones on here. Rosenstrike versus Dawkus. Man, um, I think Biggie Boy is probably going to find a KO here, I think. Um, should Edmund Shabazian, I want to say he changed camps to Extreme Couture. I think that's what he needed to do. Um, so we're going to see how that affects him, but he's going against uh, Lungiambula. I, th- I want to say that guy, uh, I'm kind of going off memory here. I- I'm not sure how Edmund's going to do in that one, but we'll see. Um, Chris Curtis fighting it against Joaquin Buckley. That's a great one. Um, I think I'm always, I-, I said this my last time, I'm the guy I never bet against Chris Curtis. He did lose against Jack Hermanson. But um, yeah, ever since like... Um, I, for, I forget now it was some parlay that I went against Chris Curtis and then he just like killed my parlay and then the rest and then I set like a tradition to always put Chris Curtis in my parlays and then I would always win until the Jack Hermanson situation <laughs> but but yeah um and then the rest of the fights here uh Billy Q versus Alex Hernandez I, I want to see Alex Hernandez yeah this is his debut at 145 um so that could be interesting I think I think Alex Hernandez is gonna take this. Eric the King Silva. This guy was from Dana White's Contender Series. Um, I think that guy is gonna cause problems for TJ Brown. I I think that guy looked unreal on Dana White's Contender Series. We're gonna see what happens. And then Cameron Simon for Stephen Koslo. From being completely honest, um, I don't know who they are off the top of my head, but two six and zero prospects. So. Very interesting there. I want to say both those guys are making their USC debut just because I, I don't really recognize their names. Sorry if that makes me a casual. But yeah, going on some other things. I know this is a long episode right now. Um, just going off the the only other thing I wanted to kind of bring up was um, looking at, you know, TJ Dillashaw. I want to say it was a, a week ago now. Um, this actually has been a kind of like a hot topic lately. There is like a USADA loophole kind of going on right now where with the whole McGregor situation where he's doing the roadhouse role and he's actually out of the USADA pool. So he's able to basically juice to the freaking gills right now because he's not getting tested. But then he can come back and basically just maintain and then he's good and good to go. He can fight. So this kind of opened up a can of worms. Um, this whole McGregor situation where I think even TJ Dillashaw, to be honest, seeing this, the guy already was doing, I've given my episode, my opinion on TJ Dillashaw in the past. I think he was doing EPO and other stuff for years. There's a reason why Cody Garbrandt called out the exact substance years before that Cejudo fight. And that's the substance he gets popped for. There's a reason why when they did get popped, they just vacated the belt, zero protest at all. I think they were doing it for years prior. They were doing some shady stuff. I do remember even when that was going on, Training Lab uh, on their Instagram page, they were deleting comments and stuff when they were going under fire Um, because obviously, you know, that team, you know, they were the ones that were helping TJ do it. And so um, what I'm seeing happen here is TJ Dillashaw announcing his retirement. I don't know if that's legit. I think what he's doing, get out of the USADA pool. He's going to freaking take a bunch of stuff, some HGH and other stuff, really help out with his recovery on his shoulder. I think that's really what's going to happen. And then if he decides to come back, um, you know, I don't know if he's going to come to the UFC. He might go to Bellator. I know as crazy as this sounds, Bellator PFL, 
take a big contract, but then he's able to juice freely. I think there is still a lot of nerves in the back of TJ's head, you know, where he knows his, his you know, record is a little tainted. But if he gets caught again, oh, man. Yeah, then it's then everyone knows for a fact. He's got still the hardcore TJ fans, you know, that still throw him in the Bantamweight GOAT conversation. I, I truthfully, I don't just because I'm on that side where I feel like he was cheating for years. He was at the point where he was trying to become a double champ cheating in two weight classes. I So there's always, for me, there's always that cheating asterisk there. Um, and so, yeah, that's my opinion on TJ. Um, and then, yeah, um, I think that was really the only big one I wanted to bring up. Um, it's, it's looking like signs are pointing. We're going to see Cejudo versus Aljo get announced here soon for March. Um, it's going to be interesting seeing what happens there. I think one of the equalizers here is, um, Cejudo is training again with Mighty Mouse. Mighty Mouse is training for his rematch with Marias in one championship and, Mighty Mouse is helping Cejudo train for this fight with Sterling. I think, you know, it's kind of obvious. Aljo did not want this fight with Cejudo next. He wanted, you know, Sean O'Malley um, instead, just because he saw Yen just take down Sean a bunch of times. I want to say he took him down six times. Um, he had five minutes, 14 of control. So obviously, you know, Aljo also was even making comments like Sterling's or O'Malley is the harder fight for me stylistically. It's like, dude, no, he's not. You just saw him get grappled a lot by a guy you beat, um, by Yan, who you were able to grapple. So it's like, obviously, you're going to say, I want this matchup over an Olympic wrestler um, who's, you know, really his only loss is to Demetrius Johnson. Um, a lot of people think, you know, the loss to Benavidez was a was a robbery uh, for Cejudo. So his real only loss is to Demetrius Johnson. Um, and so I think, yeah, I think Cejudo, I think he's going to give Alger problems when that fight gets booked. Um, and that's kind of, I think that fight is going to be another big one. You get added to UFC 285. My prediction there is going to be Jones and Ganu is going to headline that card. Kamzat, um, Colby, Colby, and then you're going to have, um, Cejudo Sterling. I think those are going to be three fights on the main card. For the um the London card, you're gonna have um Leon Usman three, and you're potentially so far you're potentially gonna have I want to say you're gonna get Arnold Allen versus Holloway added to that. That's another thing. That's another fight. I'm almost positive that's gonna get added. And so yeah, it's gonna be interesting seeing the rest of things happen. Oh, the last thing. This is a big one. We only got ten less than ten minutes till this card starts. Um, you know, this week, one of the big things that happened was, you know, the Patty Pimblett, Ariel Hawani beef. Patty Pimblett, you know, had the podcast with Dana White. Um, and they kind of went off a little on Ariel Hawani. If I'm giving my honest opinion here, um, you know, Ariel is a great interviewer, a great journalist. There's a reason why he wins a lot of these accolades. But if I'm kind of backing up, looking at this from a bird's eye view, if you look at Ariel's relationships outside of the podcasts, outside of the shows, he beefs with a lot of people. He 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 does tend to, I don't know if you, yeah, I'll go as far as saying burn bridges. 
Beef with Dana, beef with Patty, beef with Brian Callen, beef with Brendan Shaw, beef with Ali Abdelaziz. He had a situation with Pat McAfee. After he leaves the DC, or DC, after his time with ESPN, he beefs with DC right away. There are probably more situations there, but that's like literally seven people right there, um, at least, that, you know, have had situations with Ariel. I don't know... I'm pretty sure he does it for clicks to an extent, tries to beef with people. Can you know that's how he makes let's be real, that's that is how you make money, you know, get some headlines doing that stuff. But um <coughs> on his lip on his comeback, you know, on his show, watching his clip, there definitely were some points where he kinda contradicted himself. Um one I also didn't mention was Graham Boylan, um, Patty's manager. I think what really kind of showed um ariel's colors a little bit like even more was that when he showed the text conversation between patty and graham and him so to give some context those texts happened kind of september 2021 this was kind of like after right after patty landed the big barstool deal so i mean you gotta look like patty is gets that huge deal with Barstool. He is now getting paid for interviews. He's making really good money. Um, and so what ends up happening is, you know, he, he does text, you know, he does text Ariel first if he wanted to do like an interview. But then Ariel's like, yeah, let's try and set something up. And then Patty says like, hey, can you reach out to Graham so he can look at my schedule? What ends, so we can try and get something hooked up. What Graham ends up telling Ariel's like, hey man, um, we have a, Patty actually does have a bunch of paid bookings right now. Unfortunately, we do have to prioritize those over a free booking, if I'm being honest. Um, and, you know, Graham's job is to get Patty paid, so that's completely fair. But if you go back and look at the show, what ended up happening, Ariel took it next level. He got super pissed, offended, and then what kind of took it to the next level is he did go on Pat McAfee and express some uh, frustration there. And even I was even kind of doing a little deep dive, um, watching some of the past episodes of Ariel with Pat McAfee. Some of those episodes are awkward. There definitely are moments where it's like, I don't know, Ariel does make it awkward with that dude. And you can tell the guy guy feels awkward. And so, I mean, what, yeah, I, Ariel used the excuse saying, I didn't mention Patty's name, but Everyone was able to, you know, figure out who he was talking about. So that doesn't really make you innocent when, and and Ariel does do that a decent amount, unfortunately. He does say, like, he does kind of do this thing where he gets into beef with people and then he tries to act 100% innocent. He'll try to embarrass someone on air and then try to act innocent. Like, even if you look back at, like, the whole Ali situation, like, I know a lot of people don't like Ali, but if you bring someone on your show with the intention of just straight up embarrassing them and they're a legit guest on your show, like you're trying to embarrass them on air. And then after the fact, you're trying to make all this stuff up saying like he should owe me an apology and stuff. You're trying to act innocent. It's like, dude, that's messed up, dude. You don't bring someone on your show with the intention of trying to embarrass them like what the heck, man? That's that's not cool. And Ariel does tend to do that, like where he does play this innocent act where um, 
he tries to say like, you know, I shouldn't have to pay the fighters. I've had on Jones, McGregor, Nate Diaz, all these big names that they all make a crap ton of money, man. They're not every other fighter, dude. And you work for like six organizations now. You're making a good a good amount of money. Dude, I think for, you know, for a fighter like Patty, where he now has the barstool deal and stuff, we're in a digital era, man. I think Ariel needs to, you know, he does need to maybe compensate these guys a little further time, you know? I mean, I think fighters do need to know their worth. If you're going to be big on fighter pay, fighter unionization, what, whatever, all those arguments, Hayden on Dana, which is what Ariel does and talks a lot about fighter pay, it's like, dude, you can't at the same time get super upset and salty and even take it public that a fighter is saying, hey, um, I know my worth. Um, we need to prioritize paid interviews, man. Like, that's that's like, I don't think it was bad what happened. A lot of people, you know, were defending Ariel, um, but that's kind of my take on it, man. Like, if I'm kind of looking at it from a bird's eye view, I think there is a reason why Ariel does tend to beef with a lot of people. Um, and, it, yeah, that doesn't make you 100% innocent. If you're burning bridges a lot and there is clearly a pattern there, like, at some point you got to look, like, is it all these other guys' fault? Is it Dana's fault? Or... Is it possible this dude is kind of a little different off the camera, um, behind the scenes? And you kind of saw that a little bit with those text messages between, you know, him, Graham, um, and Patty. And it's like, yeah, I, I don't know. Just my opinion on that. I don't think that was that was super professional, in my opinion. But that's kind of my opinion there. Um, I just I think fighters should get paid their worth. And being in a digital era now, I mean Ariel's not some one like some up and coming journalist anymore. He's got you know he's working for multiple entities. Um, he's got tons of sponsorships. You know, he even go back and look. You know, Ariel has his he's he works for a, I want to say it's um, Bet Bet MGM, so the sports book for MGM Grand. Um, you know, Pat McAfee has a deal with FanDuel for like over a hundred twenty million dollars for for like four years it's like some of these like partnerships that they have are like they pay a lot of money and that also goes back to kind of hurting ariel's argument he even said like i shouldn't have to pay that's just something i don't do i actually donate most of my money to ch to charity that was actually a part of what he said as like a justification so it's like dude i don't know there's just it's not me hating on Ariel. It's just like there are some stuff there where it's kind of it is contradicting a little bit some of the stuff he says, in my opinion. Um, I'm not calling the guy a liar, saying stuff like that. But I mean, if I'm kind of looking at it from a bird's eye view, I mean, when someone has a pattern, they're beefing with a lot of people, um, and now they're solo. Um, I don't know. That's just kind of kind of interesting you kind of like draw your own conclusions maybe but um yeah that, that was kind of my my last opinion hopefully we have some good fights tonight that was the end of the episode try to go through as fast as i can i appreciate everyone listening to this um hopefully we got an awesome card tonight and yeah if you guys can do me a favor if you can leave me a review or shoot me an email ufc state of the union at gmail.com that would be awesome any feedback would be appreciated thanks so much guys hope you're having a 
great holiday season. Hope you had a happy Thanksgiving and hope you have a good rest of your night. Thanks. See ya.